Hey everyone, welcome to Indie Film Grit, a new podcast about indie films and indie filmmakers. I am your host, Timothy Patrick, but you, you can call me Tim. Now today's episode is the first episode, and what better way to start off the podcast than to introduce myself to you. Some of you may be thinking, who is this guy? Why is he talking to me about indie films? What's he doing on my iTunes? But before we get into the here and now, allow me to set the scene a little, give you a little background. As a kid, I started messing around with uh, my family's VHS camera, VHSC to be specific. And just like a lot of other filmmakers my age, I made a stop-motion animation using action figures. Now, this little film I made with these action figures is not significant in any cinematic way other than I took that VHS tape to a friend's house, popped it in the VCR, and pressed play. And everybody loved it. They ate it up from beginning to end. It It was a hit. And in that moment, I knew that I wanted to be a filmmaker. So fast forward to my college years. I went to college at a state university. Um, This college was big on news production. They had their own news channel, news studio, editing bay. You name it, they had it. Sure, it wasn't uh, film school. I wasn't going to be hobnobbing with Spielberg's kids or anything. But they had the gear. And I, I made the most of it. And when I first showed up, we were editing on the old analog video decks. Right? So you have basically two VCRs that you toggle back and forth. But eventually, we started editing on nonlinear editing systems. Actually, the first of its kind, the Avid One Media Composer. So I had learned the basics in an analog world, and through college, I had made the transition into the HD nonlinear world. So by the time I left college, I had already shot and edited. Uh, my first short film intended to go to film festivals just to get my feet wet with film festivals. Now, I was smart enough to know that the film I had made was not good enough to get into Toronto or Sundance. So I just submitted it to a handful of festivals, ones that were uh, cheaper, (laughs) to be honest, Um, but ones all over the world. And... uh, That short film actually got accepted into two film festivals, one in New York and one in Paris. So that was exciting. Did I get to go? No. Did I win a prize? No. But like I said, I got my feet wet with the festival circuit. So after college, I I moved back home for a couple years and I, I had to take the next step. So I decided to make another film. But this time, instead of using my friends, like I had forever up until that point, I decided this time I'm going to cast some people that actually call themselves actors. It was not a small cast, I'll give you that much. I've since learned to, to uh, tone down the amount of actors when you're dealing with no budget. But I, I started to learn how to deal with people and how to uh, direct actors, um, how to get the best performance out of them, how to keep them happy. It was also in this movie that I learned how to shoot on green screen, the hard way, trust me. And I also animated in this film some of the special effects. 
So once that film was completed, it was off to the festivals again. And just like the last go-round, we got into a few festivals. And this time, we even took uh, second place for Best Horror Comedy Short at a festival you never heard of. Did I get to go? No. Did I get a prize? I did get a medal. Pretty cheesy medal, but a medal nonetheless. Now, I'm playing the long game, folks. Trophies, uh, trinkets, they don't mean anything to me, except they're an indication of where I am. After that, I decided it was time to get serious. So I was lucky enough to get a production job, my first production job on a reality show, working in the art department. After that, I made the move. I made the move to Los Angeles. I continued working on production jobs for TV and film, and I took a day job. I got a job at uh, Moe Richardson Company. They're very well known in the industry. They've been making lights and grip equipment since the 20s. So that was my playground. That was my grip school. That was my hands-on cinematography class. Every day I would build a new rig. Every day I would uh, help customers build their rigs. To this day, I can build anything. Just toss me a few Mayfair clamps, you know, a few baby pins. I'll make it happen. So it was around this time I got interested in live streaming video. At first, I produced my own show, a multi-camera setup weekly talk show format. And that led to me producing two additional weekly shows. One was the first live streaming show out of a music venue. And that music venue wasn't just any music venue. It was the Roxy, the Roxy Theater on the Sunset Strip. And the third show I produced was for a well-known porn star. Moving on. Now, all the live streaming kind of got me away from what I really wanted to do, which is make films. By this time, I had become the de facto in-house video director at the Roxy Theater. So I was getting paid to film bands, cover music festivals, other events. So I had access. I had access to musicians, the staff, and of course, the venue itself. So I decided to make a documentary. And that's what I did. It's called The Booker. And it's a documentary about my friend Jeff Cahill and his life booking bands on the Sunset Strip. So we shot a few key sequences, and we got a few really cool bands involved, like uh, Semi-Precious Weapons, uh, Mike Taylor. It was going really well. And then, uh, out of nowhere, tragedy struck. And my friend Jeff, the star of the documentary... um, passed away unexpectedly and suddenly so it was really tough I was heartbroken Um, a lot of other people were heartbroken he had a lot of friends and uh, everybody was saying what are you going to do with that footage you gotta you gotta continue on you gotta finish it so I did Um, and I knew Jeff would want me to finish it and it wasn't easy um But I got through it, and I finished the film. It was more of a tribute to the man, but it was uh, potent and uh, very effective. I thought he would be proud. So then it was off to the festivals again. We got into a few, and one of them was the L.A. Indie Film Festival right here in Hollywood. So basically, it premiered at the film festival, 
the entire Roxy family was there, minus a couple. And it was one of the best experiences of my life. Lo and behold, a few weeks later, I find out, hey, we won. We won. Best documentary short at the LA Indie Film Festival. That was exciting. That was 2014. Now, did I get to go? Yeah, I did get to go. Did I get a prize? Yeah, I got a trophy. Now, the booker is not Citizen Kane, but I poured my heart and soul into it, and people noticed. So that brings us full circle, back to the here and now. In the last few years since then, I've raised 10 grand on Kickstarter to make an animated short film. And I'm also shooting a new documentary. And if that wasn't enough, I, uh, I also decided now was the time to launch the Indie Film Grit podcast. For you, the indie filmmaker out there. So hopefully you walk away with something. Well, that's that. I hope you enjoyed this first episode of the Indie Film Grit podcast. And I hope you enjoy listening to all of our episodes. Feel free to check out our website, IndieFilmGrit.com, and follow us on Twitter, at IndieFilmGrit. And don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes. It would really mean a lot. So I should really wrap this up. But before I go, let me ask you something. Do you have the courage, the passion, and the perseverance to make indie films? Do you have enough indie film grit?